What's a timberman want with being a wiki? Keeping secrets, are you? No, sir. Why just spill your beans? It's time to eat your veggies. Eat Your Veggies is a pop culture variety show where we compost everything but the kitchen sink. I'm Michael Andres. I make up stories for a living. And I write fiction. And I'm Charlie Janelle. I've made a short film and have bangs now. Thanks for noticing. We're media omnivores, roving New York City for the latest in books, music, movies, TV, art, fashion, theater, games. Don't get ahead of yourselves. This week, we're singing a siren song and blearing our foghorn in The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse is a mystical sea yarn by Robert Eggers, director of the Puritan parable The Witch. Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are lighthouse keepers, marooned by a storm. Ghosts of the past and a mesmerizing lamp seduce the men into murky waters. Then stick around for Last Bites, where we search high and low for this week's juiciest morsels. And we'll hear from you too. Now back to your duties or I'll dock your pay. So we are currently in week one of Halloween, which for the last like few years has been a two week endeavor because of it falling in the middle of the week. Um, and so we've already seen our, our slew of costumed uh, folks and we are still without a plan. <laughs> yeah, no plan in sight. And it's like a few days until Halloween. So, I mean, do we don't even have plans for what we'll go to. So like, yeah, excuse me, like crack open my, my white call you guys. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so, but you have, you have prospects, like you have, you have a orangey ready jumpsuit. I have the red, I have a red jumpsuit that could work as like Britney from the Oops, I Did It Again music video. Come up from above, I'm not that innocent. I believe you are. But I saw a friend who did it and she has like actually really similar hair to Britney. And I was like, damn, like I don't have a wig. It already worked. And I saw someone else on social media with the same costume with, with like your, your jumpsuit is cloth, you know, uh-huh. fabric. Yeah. Whereas this person had like a latex. Yeah. Well, that's the one you, you're supposed to get a latex bodysuit. I just have a cloth jumpsuit. That's what makes it. You could just be orange as the new black. I really don't. <laughs> it's red, Michael. First off, I'm my colorblind. colorblind, my colorblind compadre. It's, it's red. Um, um, number two, um, it would sooner work as, as we said in last episode, as per our Halloween, trending Halloween costumes from last episode, it would yeah. sooner work as the tethered. That's true. That could work. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, I had high ambitions of somehow putting together a 19th century or 18th, 18th century uh, New England fisherman. In, wow, it sounds the, startlingly uh, similar to what we're talking about on today. On the theme of this episode, that's yeah. what made me think of it. Um, also, Rob Pattinson just like looked great. You're beautiful. Beautiful. This is the skin of a killer, Bill. I'm a killer. 
Um, You're like so one note, Michael. I feel like all you ever do at every Robert Pattinson movie, I turn to you is wet my. I'm always like, um, you you turn to my ear and I expect to hear you like whisper like some like aside about the plot and or like I don't know talking about the critical value of the film and then instead I like hear you talk about the jawline of Robert Pattinson. (laughs) We know, Michael. He has a great jawline. We know. I don't know what I'm gonna do this week, but I'm gonna need to sum up with something together well we had some fun last night that was at a halloween ish event right mm-hmm. for eckhouse lada that was yeah. fun um it was a walk off yeah for which you walked off i'm out of here that's it i'm gone there's my letter of resignation and there's some flowers for my dead dog why don't you stick those up your fat ass to take a phone call for I a did. recommendation so you how about you how about you describe the walk off since i wasn't there um it was um uh, 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 an affair for the seniest of queeniest mm-hmm. people um and it involved it, and there was everything there. every trans girl influencer uh in new york was there so all five of them No, it was really fun, and I enjoyed my drink. You didn't get to have a drink from our friend who did the bar. She I know, did the I had to leave. Um, Very mixology levels we're talking here. Two shots of vodka. High level, um, high quality. What kind of costumes walk the runway? I know like, you're f- I don't know. I couldn't, un- I couldn't, un- I, li- I literally didn't, didn't understand any of them except for a cat suit. <laughs> the person licked their paw when they walked by. <laughs> they like stopped at the middle intersection mm-hmm. after they did the little, the, the little sachet. Yeah. They licked their paw in a very like meow and then they walked away. Yes, my dear. You will make a perfect pinafore. The type of garment no one will recognize you in or as. <laughs> perfect pinafore. <laughs> um I feel like you're you're either the most fun or the worst person to be in a Halloween party because you're going to see everyone in costumes like you recognize that much but you're going to be like I have no idea where any of these references are from. Oh, oh look at this. That, um, that's what's her name? Uh, uh, what's her name? Nina Bonino Brown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I never know. Yeah. You, you would think someone who hosts a pop culture podcast would have more of a uh, Rolodex of mental Rolodex of, of references. But mm-hmm. anyway, so what I saw, I saw like an Edgar Allan Poe. There was a Catwoman, the person throwing the party. Um, she, she was dressed as Catwoman, I think. Um, what else did I see? There was a Sailor Moon. Love. Um, I went in costume as a person who dresses cool. I dressed in all denim for the first time in my life. I feel like something that I've long wanted you to do. And you were inspired by Billy Elliot, Mm, mm. which we recently, well, Michael rewatched with me and I'd seen for, I saw for the first time. Yeah. I really, really, that movie speaks to me. I also was like, so just enamored by the fashion of, yeah, I think it's, it's the eighties. Yeah. It's just like all denim. You would fit too. You're very petite. All denim, flared pants, like flare the house, and um, like uh, vintage like Adidas, I think shoes, and then like boxing boxing gloves around your neck. Yeah, it would make a really good costume to go half in boxing garb, half in ballet garb. Mm -hmm. We were like definitely a cute Halloween costume idea to go as Billy Elliot. Yeah, so we'll we're gonna patch something together last minute as always, um, and it's gonna be fun. Is it? 
<laughs> time will tell. It's, it's time will tell. Yeah, if we'll have any fun. That's on the Halloween. spookiest part of Halloween yeah. is the the pressure. I got accosted by that random drunk guy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you guys, um, what is up with these holidays? Just enabling the worst. Yeah, they bring in the worst behavior from people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone in a duff costume. Okay, so I I grew up with The Simpsons, and I have like, you know, I have, I have a bit of like a soft spot for it. Um, I think I think that it it changed the scene in terms of like how politics could be in pop culture and and all that etc yeah but there's this certain breed of is it emily nosebaum that came up came up with a term that that bad the bad fan i don't know like the person that watches like something like the simpsons or mm-hmm. mad men or breaking bad that mm-hmm. like they don't don't quite get the messaging they get like the opposite it's like of the, the messaging. surface yeah. enjoyment of like, like oh i can be a misogynist to my wife the best example is breaking bad yeah. where you were going with that mm-hmm. that's my favorite example because it's the people who hate on the wife character yeah. when in fact she informs the problems of the husband she's our way in she's yeah. like she's the person that sees the transformation of this beat up like lower working class guy into a drug pin kingpin or for mad men it's people who watched on draper and are like wow i'm so enamored with this badass guy mm-hmm. instead of seeing him as like a destructive force in the lives a chaotic and destructive force in the lives of the supporting cast i guess i'm lucky you work for me i feel bad for you i don't think about you at all yeah so i feel that that same way i've always felt the same way with with the simpsons where i i would appreciate it but there's this just certain part of the fandom nerds that are just like um, like betas that want to feel alpha yeah so this guy was dressed as uh the duff man who is like a funny harmless character on the show like comic relief but this guy decided that like with the muscles and the macho uh aesthetics of of that character was gonna be a very vocal republican in the middle of soho uh, started calling everyone faggots. Blimey, Harry, didn't you ever wonder where your dad learned it all? Long walk. You're a faggot, Harry. I'm a what? Um, well, he just called me a faggot. He didn't call everyone a faggot. Char- Charlie a faggot. And uh, kicked a trash can over and stopped traffic midway. Um, I was like hoping he was going to get run over, but the car unfortunately stopped for him. Um, not a fun experience. I hope that guy ended up in a gutter mm. somewhere. That's <laughs> maybe. Moving on. Anyways. Okay, so this week, uh, the new Star Wars trailer came out for the third movie of the third trilogy. You were, like, so disappointed in the trailer. I kind of liked it. I mean, Does, it's well, a cool you trailer. Tell okay. me about what you were disappointed about. All right, to summarize the trailer, things happen, things explode, this character's back, that character's back, Carrie Fisher lives on. Mm. Um it's less the trailer. I think the trailer is exciting. It's going to come out around Christmas, I think, on Christmas. Days before. I'm definitely going to go see it because of oriented. it's just Star Wars and it's, you know. It'll be so much fun. An action adventure movie. Yeah. Um, I think I, I'm more disappointed in how this new trilogy has, has gone. Like, it's the end of it. And I feel like nothing much has happened. We have, we've, we've grown an affinity for these characters, but I think it's more because of the archetypal ways that they that we can relate to them i think that the first movie really felt the weight of living uh up to the legacy of the original series and so a lot of beats from in that movie are like an imitation of yeah yeah people always say that that star wars is one of those sci-fi stories where 
their depiction of good and evil is black and white. But this the the second movie, like a, a lot of fans were were angered by it actually, which I I, I liked um, because it presented shades of gray within this universe. But yeah, I, f- I feel like they could they could have gone more. Um, they could have totally released themselves from the chains of the original um, franchise and and done done something new. So I mean, I'm gonna go see this new movie, but I wish that I can I can feel more of an emotional response to the fact that it's ending. I like, okay, so I'm going to counterpoint. So I like, there's this video series on YouTube of this woman who argues the case for and against like a product, say like a Kindle that's really expensive and a Kindle that's not. Mm-hmm. If that's like context clues for my like current decision making. Yeah. <laughs> um, and You're like, she, so she puts like herself, she, it's like her, it's like two of her mm-hmm. next to each other. They're like digital magic. And like, then she argues with herself about yeah. like through a script about like little they skit, argue little, with each other. Get so. It's so fucking cute. <laughs> I think it's so cute. I think it's the verge. That's uh-huh. awesome. It's so cute. And I like literally, I love it. And so I'm going to like be the counterpoint right now. I'm going to be that woman and you're, mm-hmm. you're the woman as well. Round one. Fight. Um, <laughs> I don't give a shit about whether star Wars is good or not. I have, I have no investment in the series being good. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's honestly not that great. And sorry, Star Wars fans, your series is not is over, an overblown is an overblown mess. Like no one cares about the tenets of glory and and greatness of Star Wars. It's already a mass marketed Ponzi scheme of toy toy merchandising. What the frick are you guys doing? Asking for all this freaking garbage? You guys have officially made me lose my marbles. Like I have no investment in Star Wars being good. I only want it to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. When we when we have Scorsese whining about Marvel movies, like I'm the person that's like, if I'm gonna go see a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie, I don't know. I'm just there to have fun. Like I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm taking off my 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 stuffy serious face and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna have some fun. This movie looks like it's gonna be colorful, exciting. Honestly, I hope that I hope that Ray goes like soups crazy and like turns evil. Mm-hmm. Like I would love that. I hope that I, I don't know. I'm just excited for some spaceship fuckery. Do a barrel roll. This is Pippi. All barrel roll. Try a barrel roll. Flippy, get back here. Flippy, watch out. Full barrel roll. Everybody stay alert. You've got an enemy on your tail. My emperor. I failed. A barrel roll. <laughs> for like the dust I like the dusty area where like stuff gets kicked up and and blown blown around yeah oh remember that that blood red planet from last the second movie yeah I'm here for some so, like so visual cool. design some okay there's some artists out there who are hard at work at Star Wars planet design mm-hmm. y'all are doing a great job um not a huge fan of the story of the series to be honest in yeah. general like sorry I'm, I'm sorry I just don't I, I don't understand I it's think very people, bare bones. Very people, bare bones. people are honestly like obsessed with Star Wars which is great like have fun but like mm-hmm. I think you're kind of like expecting the Iliad part two out of like like a fun enjoyable movie franchise yeah. like look elsewhere like I don't know what to tell you like yeah. there's a camp of people like around this Scorsese Marvel discussion that would just totally disregard these movies as total trash blockbuster fodder mm-hmm. but i think that you can really uh what's the expression like berry uh berry like berry vegetables in chocolate or something first there's a layer of lady fingers then a layer of jam then custard then beef sauteed with peas and onions <laughs> and then a little bit more custard 
bananas and then I just put some whipped cream on top. So you're trying to make a carrot cake, basically. Yes. So it's 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 like what we like what what, what one of our goals for this podcast is is to um like play with the the blockbuster and the artsy fartsy and kind of and find something uh something good uh from the two. It's 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 definitely been done. You can make a superhero movie that still says a lot of intelligent, profound things about humanity or whatever, or like the state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, like most recent ones are Logan, and I would say even Thor Ragnarok, which is a more satirical take on the superhero movie. Mm. Still, still like presented fresh ways of depicting that kind of movie. I just period. don't. I mean, like it's not gonna like. Um, Spring Breakers its way into like punking its audience into like a better understanding. Of I good think and evil. it could give me give me a legal pad and I'll <laughs> draft out a script for a good Star Wars movie. I just don't care it, the the amount of like businesses that depend on Star Wars the brand succeeding are it's so massive like it's too big to fail. Mm. It's like a bank of a creative enterprise. Like yeah. it's not gonna be challenging. Like it's gonna be a mindless thrill, and I'm gonna just take it for that. Okay. Period. Um, to continue this, uh, we'll continue t- this argument in the bed later. <laughs> in two separate beds, like the two protagonists, two separate beds, three feet apart. Two bros chilling in the hot tub, five feet apart, cause they're not gay. Because they're not gay, like the protagonists of The Lighthouse, which we're not yeah. talking about right now, so it's not a transition. Fake or out. you can say it's the same bed because it's a bunk bed, so technically it's the it's same. It's not a bunk bed. They're, they're next to their beds. No, no, are no not for our bunk. bed. I'm, t- I'm talking our about bed our bed. It's not a bunk bed. It's a shared bed. <laughs> um, there's been some confusion as to whether we're friends, co-conspirators, lovers. lovers um, the uh, same person with different voices. Brothers. Um, sisters. Sisters. Sister in law. Can we say sister in here? Yes. Okay. Sirens, twin sirens calling for men to join us. Come play with us, Danny. Forever and ever and ever. Um, There's been questions or like many questions in, posed in to me around it's actually just a single question but like as any good youtuber i'm gonna i'm gonna inflate the amount of questions i get i've gotten so many questions from you guys about this one specific thing so like here it's gonna be about our relationship um the answer is all the above literally everything i just said is true so um make of that what you will period period um all right the new Watchmen. We've we saw the first episode of the new series on HBO. All right. It's a continuation. Which of us? Of the, which of us should start on the, the original? Um, I think I should start. So just watching the first episode, I really like um, their take on race relations and and the police state. I think from from first glance, it's easy to 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 say that you know oh they're making a story where the police are who we are going to sympathize with. Um, but I think that like, there's more to come. There's no superheroes in, in this iteration of Watchmen, at least so far as we know. Um, but the Watchmen in this case are the cops and the whole idea of who's watching the Watchmen. I think that, that the police in this, in this series are going to be, um, taken to test as to like who they're fighting for, what code of, of, of law or justice they're 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 defending um 
I love Regina King. I think uh, she's a great protagonist to follow. Um, my one uh, quibble with this, I don't appreciate the badassery music that plays whenever there's torture happening or violence. I, f- I feel like those those horrific things can speak for themselves without you playing like a rock song over top of it and making mm. it like, seem badass. Um, I think it's just babying your audience in the ways that Game of Thrones did at, at their worst. Um, this show could really be uh, a great examination of like the complex threads of policing and race relations in in America, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I I I'm compelled, and I think I will continue to watch uh, for the next few weeks. Okay, and see where it goes. Work. Um, so then, where I stand, I found it to be um, a, a tiring slog, of a chore of a script. Um, the script is abysmal. I can't stand it. It's like TV writing at its worst, and I hated it. Um, I am enticed by the kind of calling into question um, the institution around policing, but I like could not get over the script. It's just TV writing. It reminds me of like in the two thousands when TV was still bad, uniformly just bad. I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to be an elitist here, but like TV writing since Weiner and the wire has improved. Like David Simon and Matthew Weiner have increased, Mm -hmm. have upped the game here and HBO's recent programming, like TV writing is on par with movies now. Like, There's a reason that we would talk about TV in the same breath as movies when we're mm-hmm. describing stuff. And actors, there's a reason actors now take those gigs interchangeably. I'm just like not here for like TV that's going to play to like 2005 primetime levels of script writing. Like yeah. get better. There's so many people, there's so many writers out there who need work. Like are we really going to slum it in like, and it's an HBO show about The Watchmen, which is like one of the, we're talking about elevating genre mm-hmm. and material. Mm-hmm. The Watchmen is one of the most, it elevated comics. Um, people people look to The Watchmen the way that we look to Mad Men and The Wire when we say or 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 um to go back to like the real like the biggest example The Sopranos. The Sopranos. Like The Watchmen was that for comics. You definitely prefer naturalistic dialogue, um but I think that stylistic dialogue can be done well. Yeah, I you know what? We have this tiff over su- succession as well because mm-hmm. When I first started watching, I had a hard time with the dialogue not being naturalistic. Mm-hmm. But after, I have to say, after watching later episodes where it's come into its own as, a, as in its style mm-hmm. with the second season, I really have come around to like understanding its vantage and its and its choices stylistically. This might be a bit of a subjective thing, but also like, unlike Succession, Succession has a million smart things to say. Mm-hmm. All of its little one-liners, like a la Gilmore Girls, re one percent or billionaires, <laughs> is good. But like, what does Watchmen have to say? I, I think that's yet to be seen. If it has yeah. something smart to say about the police state, awesome. But I'm not waiting for it to say it. Let me put it this way. Most of the time, the strongest episodes in these sort of um, TV shows is the pilot. And the pilot Ooh. was fucking weak. <laughs> so, we yet go. to be determined. So that's the new tit for tat segment <laughs> of Eat Your Veggies. Um, yeah, cool. Um, so we, we took a little break last week to, to catch up with, with life and, and love and, and other things, but we, 
I didn't take a single break. I was editing into the end of last week. (laughs) So I didn't take sleeping since and you just woke up. (laughs) You just emerged. Um, We went to see The Lighthouse, which is the second movie from Robert Eggers, who um, debuted with The Witch. What made your last keeper leave? He believed that there was some enchantment in the light. Went mad, he did. Tall tales. But. But. What? 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 Strike dead, Winslow! So this film has like a strange kind of aggregate of buzz. It's like got farts and masturbation and just like smells in general as mm-hmm. like uh, buzzy words thrown into the clickbait articles around mm-hmm. the film. Um, of which there are, all of that's true. Like um, there's some whacking off. Um, there are a lot of farts. So if you're interested in any of that, if you're interested in farting, and <laughs> if you're interested in semen you're interested in and flatulence, then like, please go see this movie. Um, what, okay. So what are your, um, what are your general feelings about the film? General feelings. I left the theater with like a big question mark on my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I haven't rubbed it off since. I don't know. It's, I, I, I wanted to, I came away thinking, oh, I'm going to like read up on this movie to really um prepare for this episode. prepare for this episode and all i can say is i am left with more questions than answers mm-hmm. um like i mean coming out of it confused is its own you know like that's your response yeah. to the film um so this film is hallucinatory dreamlike nightmarish nightmarish um has a lot of cramped a lot of allusions to different mythologies greek um, kind of sea seafaring folk tales, um, the Bible, and it's it's all it's sort of shot in black and white and in a square aspect ratio, and it's done on film as well. It was shot on film, mm. um, and it all adds up to this feeling of um, they even say this explicitly in the movie. What happens to the human mind when it's bored? When it's unoccupied? When it's you know left? Uh, to its own devices. Mm. Um, apparently, it's violence, guilt, um, confusion. This this want for for something greater, more profound. Mm. Um, well, it's funny. So one of the things I read in so Defoe has said William Defoe has said people see what they want to see. Um, some people talk about a father son story. Some people see it as a boss and employee, master mm. and apprentice. Some people dig into the homoerotic stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people just like the farts. And that <laughs> quote to me is what I walk away with. This yeah. feels like one of those AP English texts that you read when you're like 16, where you go to the, we go to the teacher and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't like this book because like all this stuff happens, but I don't know why. And then she kind of just like rolls her eyes at you and goes like, that's the point. That's the point. And then you are upset about that. And so yeah. you like stew for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you grow up and figure out that that's great shit. So like, <laughs> that's how I feel about this film. Um, yeah. any of you can, it's like a diamond with a million, a million refracting mm-hmm. elements. Like you can really go a lot of directions. The directors, the actors themselves have laughed about how 
perplexing. Willem Dafoe is the kind of actor who goes into this not knowing much about the backstory and will just give you the performance straight from the script as he sees fit. Mm -hmm. And he'll change his experiences every time. He'll give different flavors every time. Yeah. And Pattinson was kind of floored by that. He was like, this guy is what the fuck is he on that he can do this? Yeah. I would say in interviews how, how he experiences PTSD from, from working with Willem, but in a good way. And then Pattinson was on the other end would quiz, uh, Robert Eggers on, um, backstory or maybe a select intent mm-hmm. and the director would maybe divulge some of that information but he would say but we're not going to give the audience as explicit of an answer as that right, right. and I, I think that that so my big question mark on my face isn't ever going to rub off and I think that's really fun one of the one of the cool things about going to see a movie like this is how it m- makes you sit in the discomfort of not knowing the answers to something and I think with, with the great, very like primitive, like ancient human questions that it's asking about, like, what are we here for? Um, is there a God? Like all these questions, there's never going to be an answer. Yeah, this, this, this movie just this makes you sit in that. Okay, okay so I want to give a shout out. Um, and that's to um, what I read is inspired in part by Herman Melville's writings and also Lightkeeper's like lighthouse keepers journals Mm -hmm. like actual lighthouse keepers journals and that is the archaic dialogue Mm -hmm. this director has just an unrelenting dedication to um the specificity of language as per time and context Mm -hmm. because it calls you in to a different foreign place as opposed to laying out a red carpet that's Mm -hmm. a little more removed from reality. Mm -hmm. I I would rather struggle to understand the characters because of the specificity of language and also laugh when it's hilarious and idiosyncratic and silly. It it reminds me of The Wire, actually, because The Wire was so, such in an unprecedented way, true to the vernacular of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And it really brings you into a world. Like, I, I... respect that and i have the patience for that i also love subtitles and some people hate subtitles i know (laughs) it disrupts your visual experience or whatever i like subtitles i'm here for subtitles i would totally love a repeat viewing of this movie with subtitles this applies to like elements of what people consider art house movies they demand an active viewing so like with with language um when it's of a particular time and when especially when it's like uh difficult to, to to hear um you have to really pay close attention to um, to other elements like like physicality and and this movie is very very physical um, yeah they go from sparring to slow dancing just very viscerally um, in contact with each other in addition to the dialogue demanding a context specific immersion you've got um, the extreme weather itself mm-hmm. if like Apparently, like, they're taking... So I read somewhere that this film feels as if it's at the ends of the earth. Yeah. That's, I guess, the biblical illusion Very of it. Very biblical. Um, which is apparently the shores of New England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> with hellfire and brimstone for weather. Maine, the end of the world. The end of the world is in Maine. Love the lobster over there, though, I will say. <laughs> so the actors also talk about the strain of working in these conditions. But they yeah. both relished in in the immersion of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this film... Um, involves a lot of 
eroticism, if you want to call it homoeroticism between these two characters. And you had something to, you wanted to talk about. Well, I just, I read, I read somewhere on IndieWire that oh, about a general dissatisfaction with the quote gay subplots in the lighthouse. First off, like gay subplot, like <laughs> how can there be a subplot around the sexuality of the two singular speaking characters? Like, right. It's not a subplot. And it was criticized for not going far enough, end quote. I'm sorry, there's a certain clique of people right now that have a preoccupation with art serving as a political remedy. And I don't just mean like to argue the case for the politics that matter, Mm -hmm. but to actually serve as like a fantasy counterpoint to what we disapprove of. Right. Um, Sorry, I was going to add that. No, go for it. um, So for Call Me By Your Name, um, a lot of people that are in that camp that you're, as you're describing called it um, straight washing because, wow. <laughs> because they were never able to re- realize the full, the fullness of their relationship. But go it's on a very shallow interpretation, like sit with the characters more. I don't know what, anyway. Yeah. So these people are looking for a tidy, a historical, frankly, basic portrayal mm-hmm. of a relationship between two people and not to go too far into it, but this movie has leashes body secretions mm-hmm. slow dancing slow like dancing. this has everything what do you mean not far enough what more do you want mm-hmm. um it's really alarming to me how simple-minded and entitled these identitarians are if the two aren't professing they're gay slapping on a rainbow sticker and sharing a romantic kiss on screen mm-hmm. as if it were beauty and the beast yeah they're not satisfied it's not queer enough and i just i can't I, I can't they see that what they're fussing over is the very work that most challenges the sexual status quo. Mm-hmm. They want humanity explained to them as if it were this taxonomic thing to be written up on flashcards for memorizing, regurgitating. Mm-hmm. Welcome to reality. There's far more gray than black and white and good art reflects that. Yeah. If, if as we're saying, these two people are at the end of the world and they only have each other, it's really cool to see them cling to each other's humanity like you're the only other person here you give my existence meaning i take from you sexuality um a father figure uh, an authority figure a companion it's 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 really it's, it's making a statement that's that's far beyond um identitarian um uh explicitness you know mm. um so yeah i totally agree with you on that that the kind of depiction of of humanity and sexuality that this movie shows is the work that normalizes or whatever word you want to use um relationships that are that happen to be queer so you you mentioned call me by your name for describing where ambiguity is is wonderful Mm -hmm. um i also recalled we the animals Mm -hmm. where the mention of the, the word gay, I don't know if it was ever made. Mm. That's a movie about um, one of three brothers yeah. and a father and the father's realizing his son's sexuality and the son exploring it, yeah. um, among many other things. I mean, the movie's rich with a lot. And nowhere is it quite as explicit as I think these sorts of arguments would like. Mm-hmm. I'm just here as someone who values good work, good art, stay the course. You guys are doing great. Like I don't want anything but ambiguity. Yeah. Give me the ambiguous to sit in and wrestle with and never have a clear direct answer because that's where the work is. I think what we're, we're getting at here is that there's this deeper 
humanity, like like the very fabric of humanity that is is richer um, and and more universal than than what identitarian um, politics once are are to be. Like I was talking with my brother who is writing his first play, and he is part of this fellowship, and so they're they're workshopping his his play right now. And we were talking last night about how you know when you are an immigrant or a queer person or all these things making work. Um, and your work is labeled as such, it's given this really uh, rudimentary set of, of tools. Like it can only um, touch on this, this spectrum of, this very small spectrum of, of uh, emotions and, and storylines. Like, like a redemption, like a redemption kink. Like yeah. you have to be redeeming what's seen as, as wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's such a burden on the yeah. artist. Yeah. The artist is here to express the flaws, the vices, the mm-hmm. confusions. How is that artist ever going to get anywhere if they feel indebted to a political agenda agenda yeah. before they can resolve the conflicts within? I'm going to say this. Check boxes are for the ballot, not for art. Bam. 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 Um in the in the in the spirit of arguing against prescriptivism, um, I also saw on Slate this um, interview where the director is harangued for the first like two questions about the veracity of like what did or didn't happen. Where does nightmare start and reality, or where does nightmare start and end? Where is reality? Um, let me tell you something. Nightmare happens all the time. <laughs> My whole life reading Slate is a nightmare. So first off, I'll say that. I mean, we were walking away from a dinner and got harangued by the Duff Man from The Simpsons. Like life is a nightmare. Life is, this is just nonsensical. More, this is more of the same of what I just said with a different question. Yeah. If you're looking for something to be demystified with a final with that with the idea of that you'll ever reach a final answer, you're not I mean this is like again, read a fairy tale. You guys, book. this is <laughs> Watch this Disney. is this is high school English class all over again. Mm-hmm. You're looking for answers when you should be treasuring the questions. Ooh. Flex your Ooh, creative muscle that. and get used to it. I felt that. Uh, Mike fucking drop. Okay, so I think that it makes sense to compare um, Robert Eggers with Ari Oster. They're kind of the two young uh, psychological horror movie uh, filmmakers of the moment. Um, And I just wanted to say that um, if I were to pick a favorite between the two of them, I definitely prefer Robert Eggers' work. He just gets into more of like an el- he gets into more of like an elemental like very like 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 deep like primitive. You've always um, loved your mythology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, uh, exploration of of humanity, and I think that Ari Aster gets he gets caught in the domestic in the in the realistic aspects of of his storytelling, and uh, Eggers just goes into it. Um, I am going to say though that of the two films that Eggers has has released so far, I. Um, I'm more um, partial to The Witch, I think. I, I loved how The Witch reached, it reached a sublime place um, that you can, you know, interpret as you like. Uh, this this woman's embrace of, of darkness, of the uncertainties of life. Like, witches at the time were um, finding a, a freedom of expression of their femininity. Um, and... I think that that movie like really got to that place. Whereas uh, at the end of, of the lighthouse, I think they got to like um, kind of like a Promethean moral mm. um, where it could have ended where there was uncertainty as we've, as we've been saying, but um, 
where it ended uh, was a place that was more of this world when the whole film was out there. My final thoughts are, um, it's been a while since I saw The Witch. (laughs) But I... But you know, she was dancing at the end and like, she became a witch. I I think I was startled with The Witch because I expected it to end with, um, on a realist note, and instead it took, it went full throttle bananas. Mm -hmm. And it left an impression this film also kind of goes bananas for its conclusion, mm-hmm. but these are like different kinds of bananas. And <laughs> I... One's a plantain and the other is a senorita. I liked both bananas. <laughs> that's my that's my wrap up. Um, cool. I think that... Okay, so should you see this movie? Um, should they, should our audience, should our listeners see this movie, Michael? I would say yes. It's a fun, t- it's a fun ride. It's Halloween. I think for Halloween, it's it's moody and fun. So get trapped in a lighthouse, a creaky foghorn blowing mm. lighthouse. I And lovers. have William Defoe rant at you for two minutes straight, impassioned with a beard. And then have Robert Pattinson jerk off in your attic. He looked like he was in pain. He was in a lot of pain. Mm. Poor, poor, poor soul. Poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, stay seated. And when we come back, it's time for this week's Last Bite. As always, let's kick off Last Bites with what you guys have to share. This week, we're going to hear from Anthony and Sylvia. Hi, Eat Your Veggies. This is Anthony calling in from Kensington, Brooklyn, uh, to tell you about my obsessions. I'll give you one lowbrow and one highbrow. The lowbrow is the most basic of all. I've been binge-watching Friends on Netflix. As a kid, when it was on TV, I somehow missed being exposed to it, really. Uh, And I sort of just randomly put it on a few weeks ago. And now it's become the most joyful, non-thinking part of my life. And for the highbrow, I would like to recommend Anna Glantz's current show, uh, Cyclops, at Foxy Production uh, Gallery in the City here. She's one of my favorite painters in the world. And the strangeness that she creates in her images is totally earned and really life-altering. Love the podcast. See you guys soon. Bye. Hey, your veggies. This is Sylvia reporting to you live from Damarest, New Jersey. So my current obsession is Sandbag Homes. They are literally made out of bags that you fill with the soil from your location and you build the foundation all the way to the roof using dirt. (laughs) And they kind of look like hobbit homes, but they're very eco. And my dream is to build my dream home um, made out of sandbags, but have all the modern amenities 
and radiant heat floors and mosaic walls and just live like a queen with a closet full of vintage Versace. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also I love nerds. The people, not the candy. <laughs> Wow, thanks, Anthony. I know I was obsessed with friends growing up, so I'm like the total opposite of that. I was in the hospital once for a week straight, and I set my alarms on my phone to wake up for when Friends was <laughs> playing, as according to the TV Guide channel. And yeah, I really want to check out that show. That's, that sounds amazing. Um, I don't know much about sandbag houses, Sylvia, but I absolutely adore the idea of you housing some vintage Versace that I'm going to come sleuth. <laughs> Alrighty, um, so Charlie, what is your last bite of this sorry. week? Scooting around. Wait, right, one more time. I don't have to repeat myself. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like scooting around. It was annoying. Um, okay, so my last bite is the Impossible Burger. Um, so we're moving into the world of foodstuffs with our last bite. So we now cover, um, of the laundry list of um, art and media we cover, we can include foodstuffs. We finally reached full circle into actually being about food. Yeah. Oh my God, and this is actually something that's vegetarian. And um, <laughs> has some veggies. Does it have any vegetables in it? I actually don't think it has vegetables in it. It's all m- molecular. It, well, it's soy and potato. Well, potatoes. Soy? Is, so is potato a vegetable? Um, we're going to sit in the uncertainty of that question. Right. And, ambiguity. And go it's on. Treasure ambiguity. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, my last bite is the Impossible Burger. I've never had one. Um, so I'm now an expert on it. Um, I read half of an article about it and I have to say like (laughs) I am such an advocate for what Pat Brown is doing. He's the CEO and founder of Impossible Foods. Mm -hmm. His his question, he actually started with a political question of how do I most minimize methane gas? And he went through like biofuels and then he landed and other options. He landed on cows. Apparently 95% of the people who eat Impossible Burgers are not vegetarian. I mean, ethical consumption is wrought with problems, Mm -hmm. but I I was really impressed with the um, intent and then the subsequent impact of a a single scientist, like what he's accomplished. I'm like, so I'm so sold. Like I, I'm ready to order it as an alternative to a burger. Um, Which fast food place would be your first, um, your first stop in this impossible burger train? White Castle, because I've never had White Castle. I'm like, Obsessed, obsessed with the with, impossible. With yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the impossible, and I'm I'm, I'm again I'm gonna say again I've never had one, so I have no idea if it tastes good. Yeah, okay. to be determined. That's okay. All right, so my last bite this week is another huge morsel uh, that goes by the name of Kristen Stewart, fashion um, inspiration for Michael. I think that she's doing something very intelligent um, in the way that she's understated in in her roles. Um, and she really cares about her craft. And you really can can feel that in her Vanity Fair breaking down her, her career um, video. But yeah, she breaks down her career from Panic Room to Twilight to uh, the Charlie's Angels movie that's about to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Kristen Stewart the most in um, the two films that she did with Olivia Essayas, which oh. is Cloud of Sils Maria. Cloud of Sils Maria. And Personal Shopper, which I always tell people that my gender identity is actually uh, Kristen Stewart in Personal Shopper. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really cool to see her because like she also has this reputation of being kind of aloof. And um, in this video, she's very like passionate 
and just um, just like excited by 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 her craft. Art is solace because it comes through you. Like something happens and all of a sudden you've had an idea. And when those moments strike, it's like religious. Like it feels like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I just got so lucky. It's a really fortunate, really, really rare thing. I never see her as being aloof. I feel like she's a bit of a dork who can be a little socially awkward. I think that's what it is. But passionate. Oh, and people yeah. people read it kind of the wrong way, but I, I totally believe in Kristen Stewart. Um, and... <laughs> You're also going to like dress as her from here on. Yes. I'm going to dye my hair like blonde and uh, with, with dark roots. Are you going to do her like hand gestures? Yeah. I mean, totally. Yeah. Like r- rotating hand uh, wrists and um, looking deeply into the, into mid distance. Eyebrows furrowed. Um, yeah. I, I'm excited to see her in Charlie's Angels. I think, I think, I think that's going to be a fun blockbuster movie. Yeah. Kristen Stewart, uh, Vanity Fair. Get into it. We're listening. You've been listening to Eat Your Veggies. It's over. You can leave now. Eat Your Veggies is recorded in an extravagant brownstone in the most expensive Manhattan neighborhood you can think of. Produced, then edited to death by us. One seconds. Subscribe to Eat Your Veggies where you get the music that puts your cat to sleep. Rate us and leave us a short, disingenuous review. Follow Eat Your Veggies on Friendster and Zanga. We want nothing less than to hear from you. Record hate mail about how toxic we are and send it on over to eatyourveggiestv at gmail.com. Till next time, stay stagnant and creatively unfulfilled. I'm Michael Andres. I write fiction and am between 29 and 30 inch waist. Do it again. I'm Michael Andres. I write fiction and am between... (laughs) What is going on with you?